Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 125 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is July 7th, 2010. We got a great show for you this week on the podcast. A lot of recruiting questions coming up. A lot of people wanted to email about the recruits and what was going on with recruiting and Lane Kiffin and the great job he's actually been doing recruiting for this class of 2011. If you have any questions or comments, you can always drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. We're going to talk to Gerard Martinez, our senior recruiting analyst, a little bit later in the show. Really long, extended segment with him talking all about recruiting and answering your questions. But we want to get some reaction on the USC side of what's been going on. Obviously, some bad news going on with the USC program. We've got to see if USC and Lane Kiffin can fight through it and fight on and right the ship here. So we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde, coming all the way from Catalina Island. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, buddy. It's over, <clears throat> excuse me. It's overcast over here. And uh, I'm going to get off the island here today right after I finish here with this uh, broadcast. And get back to what you call the real world. This isn't the real world here, but it certainly is a great place to be. Oh, certainly, Coach. I wish it was out there. But, the, yeah, the weather in Southern California isn't all that great right now, unfortunately. But we'll be all right. We'll fight through it. I just wanted to let everyone know. I wanted to thank everyone for our sponsorship of this first segment, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com is the URL. Or if you want to give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, any kind of sporting events, the All-Star Games coming up in Anaheim, you want to get tickets to that, go to sctickets.com or call 1-800-888-7287. Coach, are you a baseball fan? You going to the All-Star Game at all? I'm not going to the All-Star Game, uh, Brian. I'm, I'm going to just uh, rest up for the football season. I, th- I think I'm going to need a lot of energy. This is going to be an exciting football season, and I'm getting ready for that, and you know, just sort of get. I'm getting ready to go to camp. Let's say, getting ready to camp. All right, yeah, fall camp coming up for USC in August. So yeah, it's almost it's like a month away or so, Coach. I'm kind That's of excited. What I mean. for that. We can actually talk about football instead of talking about all these other things that are going on. There's obviously some bad news um, around the USC program lately. We're going to talk to Gerard Martinez about the whole Chantrell Henderson thing. Maybe we can get your thoughts, but also. Kind of the first significant transfer, if you want to call it significant, Malik Jackson, the uh, defensive end, is going to transfer out to Tennessee. Interesting with him, he had no, he wasn't recruited at all by any of the southeastern schools. Uh, yet he transfers out to Tennessee. A guy that came in, I thought, played really well his freshman year when he came in as a reserve role. Um, but then Nick Perry, who came in late and actually. Uh, redshirted that freshman year. I think Nick Perry kind of surpassed him a little bit. And looking at this year, you had guys like Armand Armstead, Nick Perry, and Wes Horton that all seemed to kind of be in front of Malik Jackson. But he's still, I think he still would have played and still been in that rotation. But, Coach, what are your overall thoughts on a guy like Malik Jackson leaving the program? Well, first of all, you know, I think he's a good player, and I think he shouldn't have left the program. I think sometimes guys think uh, – me and that program, you know, and, uh, 
I think this is one of those situations where, hey, they're telling me down at Tennessee that I can come down here and start, and they need a, a rush guy on the right side, and he's saying it's easier for me to go down there and get some reps than it is for me here at SC. But I'll tell you, when you when you have competition, you get better. And who knows what your future is going to be at SC as far as someone might get hurt or something happen, and you all of a sudden move up and, and you have that opportunity to play. I, I think Tennessee went after him, too. It's sort of a get-even you know, let's go after a couple of their players and see if we can get somebody down here from USC. And I, I don't know this to be a fact, but, you know, I'm sure that they, uh, they've they recruited a lot of the, the supposed players that can be recruited from USC. But if a guy doesn't want to be a part of a program and compete, I mean compete daily, you're not going to get better. And uh, he's taking the easy way out. Yeah, I don't know the kid. Probably a great kid. Didn't say anything negative about USC said I just have a better opportunity of playing there. Well, if you looked at it that way, everybody would probably have a better opportunity to play at a lot of places. So, you know, you sort of would say, well, I can play here and I can play there, and Mitch Mustaine could probably play somewhere and so on, and you sort of uh, find the easy way out. If I'm a coach, I want guys who want to compete. And I think, uh, what is that old saying, Pete Carroll, that compete forever? Well, that's the same type of thing you're looking for with your players that you currently have on the roster, especially when you're in a negative situation and you want to turn a negative to a positive. You want to line up even knowing that you might not be going to a bowl game and you want to beat people. You want to give that extra effort. and You look at the character of your players and you say, who's going to hang in here with us now when things aren't maybe all rosy or Rose Bowl-like? Maybe let's see who's going to line up and play when they just love the game of football and they love to be a Trojan and they want to compete and become a better person, a better player, and graduate from USC. And I think a lot of people look at that. I, I don't know if he'll ever be accepted as a Tennessee football player. He'll go down there and play. But he won't have the same, being from California, he won't have that same respect and be part of the USC family, unless he's going to live down there in Tennessee. Now, if he's going to live down there in Tennessee, that's fine. But re imagine coming back to Southern California, walking around campus. Will he come back on campus at USC with his head up high, or will he be a volunteer forever and have to live in Tennessee? There's, there's a lot to that as far as self-pride and competing and wanting to be a Trojan. So I look at it as if I'm Lane Kiffin, hey, if you don't want to be here and you don't want to compete and you don't want to uh, give us what we look for and what we need now when things aren't so rosy, then go ahead and go. All right, Coach, makes sense. We had a question. Oh, I just want to say you said, I think, compete forever. There's a, It's always compete and win forever. That was the Pete Carroll's little... Uh, well, it's something like that. <laughs> it's very close, though. Well, we had a question on that, too. Major Ed, I believe it's from the... He's a major in the Marine Corps, I believe. I forgot to write that part down, but he wanted to get you know, your take on Malik Jackson. And we, you know, kind of talked about that, but uh, he's listed as second string defensive end. And it seemed he would have quite a bit of playing time. I agree, Major Ed. I think he would for sure. Uh, he thinks it's a pretty big loss. Do you think USC has the depth to absorb this transfer? Well, you never have enough players. Uh, they're forced to, uh, to uh, adjust. You adjust or die. That's something you say when you're in the trenches or whatever. You, you do what you have to do to win. So obviously, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a big loss. I thought he was a great player. I don't know if much of it had to do with his brother not coming to USC or being offered. Uh, I understand now his brother's going to go to Texas Southern or something like that. 
and uh, yeah, Texas, UCLA, Texas guess, Southern. It, huh? it it just looked like he didn't have the grades to come out as a JC, and um, he's going to end up at Texas Southern, which people have told me a lot of uh, kids that have had problems <laughs> end up there. So I'm I'm not sure. I'm not saying that he does. I'm just that's what uh, that's what I've been told. Well, that's what I've I've heard. And uh, I think that I, I don't think that had anything to do with it. It may have. It may have. But, uh, you know, he's going down there and it, it's going to it's going to hurt you whenever you lose a player. It hurts you. It hurts your numbers, the scholarship the practice, the number of turns that you get, the depth that you have, the injury factors. Uh, I can't say it's not going to hurt USC. It is going to hurt USC. Because he is a darn good player. I loved him as a freshman. I loved him in high school. I thought he was a great football player. He has great explosion off the ball. I'm very disappointed that he's leaving. Uh, I don't want it to sound like I'm not uh, as far as a Trojan player. But what are you going to do about it? I mean, you can't sit and talk about it. If you sit and talk about it, it becomes a bigger thing with the team. You've got to tell the team, hey, he's gone. Forget it. We'll win. We'll find a replacement. You can't dwell on those type of things. If you dwell on them, it becomes a bigger, bigger part of your program, and it's, it's something that will hurt you more. So you sort of make a comment, you let him go, and he's history. Yeah, I agree, Coach. And one thing, Major Ed, I think that the one something you could take out a positive out of all this, with a guy like Ed Orgeron as a defensive line coach, he came out and said in the spring that his depth was definitely deeper than what he thought it was. And he felt that this line was bigger and stronger and faster than what he had at Tennessee. Guys were certainly bigger than they, than they had uh, for the volunteers. And he liked the depth that he had at, at defensive line. And he found some guys that, you know, John Harris or, you know, guys that didn't look like they were going to be part of the mix were actually in there mixing it up and getting some playing time. So I think they can absorb it. You know, maybe you'll see a guy like Kevin Green be able to play some more. Maybe James Boyd. We'll be back playing defensive end. You know, it's hard to kind of say what they're going to do this fall. I'm sure they're going to play around with things a little bit. It's a loss, but I don't think it's a devastating loss for USC at this point. And uh, I don't know, Coach. I mean, maybe more of the mental side of things, if if it makes other players, I don't know. Do you think it would make other players stronger? Like, I can't believe he left. I want to fight through this. Or do other players start to question themselves when they see a guy like that leave? No, I think that uh, they 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 look at it as an opportunity for themselves uh, to uh, play more, get more reps, and so on, and get coached by a great coach. I mean, why would you leave Ed Orgeron, one of the top defensive coaches, line coaches in the country, if you really want a career in the NFL? Why would you leave Ed Orgeron, play on a great defensive front with a great defensive coordinator, and go to Tennessee? It doesn't make sense. It it just shows you that it's insecurity. Uh, it's it's an opportunity to go play somewhere else where I don't have to challenge myself or maybe I don't have to. I'm, I, no one has an automatic position. He'll go to Tennessee and have to win a spot there. But you know, if you look at most of the preseason publications, they're gonna they're picked to finish fifth or sixth, fifth in their division. So it's not like they're he's gonna go to a bowl game there. He's uh, I mean, he might go to a bowl game there, but I don't know what bowl it's going to be. Is that worth transferring and so on? I don't think so. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a smart move, and I think it hurts the Trojans because they lost a defensive tackle in the spring uh, football, too, on a knee injury. So, you know, that's two from uh, the defensive front now. So, But they'll be able to recover. Don't worry. Things turn to a positive for a negative, and 
I'll tell you, with Coach Kiffin and also uh, Monty Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, Joe Barry, the John Barry, all these coaches and so on that are there, hey, you know, he'll soon be forgotten. And I used to say when a kid would transfer for me, I said, uh-oh, we lost Malik Jackson. He just twisted his ankle. So who steps up next? Uh, that's a good way to look at it, Coach. Injuries and stuff like that do unfortunately happen all the time. It, you know, I've done a lot of radio shows recently, Coach, and people keep asking me about you know, Lane Kiffin, what he's been doing. I mean, Lane Kiffin, I don't know if any coach in the country has had to deal with the kind of adversity that Lane Kiffin has had to deal with since leaving Tennessee. I mean, just, and without playing a football game. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a firestorm when he left Knoxville and, you know, those people kind of death threats and going after his family, all this kind of stuff. And then he gets to USC. You have to replace a legend. And I think we've seen in college football, it's not easy to replace a Bear Bryant or a Bo Shebler. I mean, it's not easy to replace guys that were legends at their programs. And, you know, Pete Carroll did it for nine years at USC. You know, what, seven straight Pac-10 titles and, you know, all the stuff that he did. Comes in, you have a lot of uncertainty right before signing day. Not only can he keep the class together, but he adds on to it and becomes the number one class according to Rivals.com. That was before uh, Sean Charles Henderson left. But, um, I mean, just to be able to put that class together amidst all the, the you know allegations from the NCAA and all of that, I thought that was, I mean, he did yeoman's work in that. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing. Now, you know, you deal with spring football, everything goes really well. You get a guy like John Baxter to come in and you have the great coaching staff like you put together. He's doing a great job on the class of, you know, the 2011 class for recruiting. These sanctions hit, and that's kind of a blind side, I think, to everybody at USC. I don't think anyone really expected it to come down that hard. And now Lane Kiffin still hasn't coached the game yet, and he's dealing with players that can transfer out now. It's not just you're not just trying to get kids in; you're trying to keep the kids you have. And so far, I mean, just from what I'm looking at, it seems like I don't know if he could have done a better job than what he did. I mean, getting a guy like Kent Tareen, the the four-star linebacker out of Florida, to commit, getting some of these guys he's getting to commit almost on a weekly basis while all this turmoil and stuff is going on. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine. I mean, coaching in that kind of environment, the way he's able to keep his head and, and keep continuing to do things the way he's doing, Coach, to me, it's pretty amazing. I agree with you, and that's because he's got his priorities correct. He's a recruiter. He wants recruiters on his staff. He wants people can deal with uh, kids on their staff. I've had a chance to talk to some linebackers this uh, summer and so on. They love the unity on the defensive side of the football. They have so much respect for the defensive coaches. Uh, they're enthusiastic about this coming football season. And uh, I think that uh, he's done a tremendous job. I'm looking forward. I'm going to call him next week, make an appointment. I want to go in and sit down and meet with him, take 15 minutes of his time or 30 minutes of his day, no matter how much time he has. Because I want to be able to know a gentleman that I'm going to be talking about on the pregame show and the Trojan Brunch show and the USC Trojan Talk show and, and our, broadca- our broadcast here and so on. Because I want to be able to know the person I'm talking about. So uh, I'm going to do that, and that's going to be part of my program. And I think that uh, he has grown up in a hurry. You know, he's been in uh, the FC program with P- uh, Pete Carroll. He went to the, the Raiders, uh, a program that uh, he had turmoil in and working in a very disorganized supposed organization. I don't know. I've never worked there. Uh, went to Tennessee, uh, did a great job there in turning around a program, left in Tennessee with a lot of turmoil and so on, 
comes to SC, wasn't greeted, I don't think, really friendly with the media as far as his first press conference and so on. And everyone's more or less been watching to see exactly what happens at USC. And I think that he's done a tremendous job and the staff's done a tremendous job. I think that also the administration has done a tremendous job in getting through a lot of these difficult situations. And I think the number one thing that the Trojans have to do as a family is unify at the same time and not disintegrate and point fingers. The easiest way that you become a, uh, a dust is people point fingers. They don't unify. They don't hang together as a football team. So does the boosters and fans and people who love USC football and USC. So I'm just sending out a little signal to everybody. Don't start pointing the finger on it's this guy's fault or that guy's fault. What you do is you just put it together and you get through it. It's nobody's fault. It's just part of what happens in college football when you win so much and you dominate so much. People can't compete with you, so they try to bring you down a different way. It's just natural. You see it happening all the time. It's called jealousy. They win too much. They recruit too much. They they have too much. They can't be doing it legally. So, you know, that's just part of it. So you people that have a lot of money out there know how many people can you count that really are happy you're so rich? Well, I am because that means you worked your butt off to get it. And I think that's what you have to do to win and be good at anything you do. And uh, there's a lot of envious people out there that want to bring everyone down. And so, you know, you go through it, you get through it. I think he's done a great job. And I think that uh, I'm looking forward to the football season because of that, because I want to see how these young people respond to controversy. And I want to see how they play and how they unite. And I congratulate these young players who are staying at USC and the class that is committing now to come to USC because they believe in the program itself. Great points, Coach. Well, one last thing before we let you go. I know you got to catch a boat. Uh, John Patina, he's one of the, the many teachers out there that listen to the show, Teaching America's Youth. John, thanks for writing in. Um, he had some questions about the NCAA and, and if USC could sue and stuff like that. I want to get into that too specifically, but you know, being able to sue like you know Lloyd Lake or Michael Michaels or, or sue the NCAA, what's going on here? I just wanted to get your perspective from a coaching perspective. Is that something you know? If it's not going to affect how the team, you know, the scholarships or bowl bands or anything like that. Would that be a distraction for you as a, as a football coach? Do you think like Lane Kiffin would want something like that? Or do you think this was just something he'd like to go away and just kind of grit your teeth and get through it? What's, what's your perspective as a former coach on this whole thing? Well, I, I think you want it to go away. Uh, normally when you sue the NCAA, the, the university itself doesn't sue the, the NCAA, but they belong to an organization that they've selected to belong to. Uh, individuals can sue the NCAA. I think that the Rick Neuheisel sued the NCAA and won some money or the university. Jerry Tarkanian sued the NCAA and came out of it with about $2.5 million. Uh, you can, you know, for undue cause and harassment and all these different things that you can prove and so on. But the, the university, you know, it just prolongs it. It does. Appeals prolong it. Now everybody's talking about now they know what the penalty is. Now they're wondering what the appeal is going to be. A lot's going to happen before this appeal process even starts. It, it's just starting as far as 
like recently Todd McNair was was let go. Uh, is someone else going to be let go uh, as far as the appeal process? So look what we've done. We're appealing this because, and we've made these changes within the athletic department. Does this make you happy? Does it show you that we're administrating and try to clear, clear this up and clear that up and so on? So you want to get these things behind you so it can't be in the headlines every day in the newspaper. You want to make very few comments. If you don't make comments, there's no story. And, 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 and people are looking for material to write about. So you just want to get through it, get it over with, get into football. I think right now what the football program at USC wants to do is start practicing and start playing games so that this part of it is behind them and the appeal process goes on uh, without a lot of press because kids read the Internet. Kids read media, newspapers, and listen to sports on TV and so on, and and it and influ and influences them. So if you don't want to give them or keep feeding the media to keep writing about negative things. You want it to be done. And as far as the coach is going, just one thing I can say. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad the sanction or whatever you want to call it by the NCAA is out, done. And now the appeal process, get it over with as soon as you can and move on. Makes a lot of sense, Coach. Well, we still got about a month or so until fall camp. I think it'll be a lot more fun to talk about actual football as opposed to sanctions and transfers and all this other stuff. But we appreciate your insight, Coach, and you always, you know, you always have a strong opinions on what's going on around USC, and we do appreciate that. Appreciate your candidness, and uh, well, yeah, well, we'll enjoy your boat ride back from Catalina, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, buddy, thank you very much, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Keep sending your questions in. I love them. I think you're doing a great job. And, again, let's thank Southern California Ticket Service, Ryan. Thanks, sctickets.com. And if you want to send in those questions, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Stay tuned. 30 seconds. We're going to be back talking a lot of recruiting. Extended segment with Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com senior recruiting analyst. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. Let's talk a little recruiting in this segment with uscfootball.com recruiting senior analyst, Gerard Martinez. Gerard, so you're a senior analyst now, right? I'm a senior analyst, yes. I've, uh, you know, 65 and over, I guess. It's makes you a senior analyst. I don't know what 65 number I hit, but somewhere along the line. <laughs> I became a senior, so I get to uh, get in the movies for half price and uh, get to park closer, uh, you know, at the mall and all kinds of good stuff, all kinds of senior benefits I get. Eat your dinner at 4.30, get a 20% discount, not too bad. Uh, well, recruiting-wise, the biggest news so far this week, well, there's been a, there's been a lot of big news. I guess we could... Uh, Go with the positive news first, then we'll get into some of the negative stuff. Uh, Kent Tureen, uh, linebacker out of Florida, four-star kid, commits to USC this week. I mean, with all the potential issues and stuff going on with the sanctions, Lane Kiffin seems to be steaming right along. 
getting recruits. He's getting like one a week or so. I mean, were you kind of shocked that uh, a guy like Kent Tareen came out and said he was going to go to USC? I wasn't shocked only because Kent and I had talked about it uh, almost two months ago when he got a scholarship offer from USC and he was really pumped about it and um, was really ready to pull the trigger right then and there, but he kind of wanted to wait and he wanted to talk to his family a little more, wanted to take an unofficial visit to USC before he did anything. I think what really happened there is right when he got his USC offer, Florida and Georgia came in and offered and Florida, I think basically heard SC was going to offer and the kid was ready to pull the trigger and, and they kind of tried to put an offer in there just to kind of counter him a little bit. And, give him something else to think about. So he got a little bit hesitant on it, and he said, you know, it's a big offer. I kind of have to look at that too. And then Georgia came and offered, and I think Florida State even offered maybe a week or so after that. So he had so many offers there, especially towards the end in the May evaluation period. He ended up with about 40 offers. And uh, as, you know, the time went on, and and he started to kind of think about it a little bit. Uh, uh, He was uh, trying to get out here for the Rising Stars camp and wanted to come out and uh, take an unofficial visit in June. Wasn't able to do that. So things became delayed. But uh, throughout, he was pretty pumped up about USC. It just really feels like it's going to be a good fit for him. He likes, uh, he just likes the coaching staff a lot. Uh, I think that you know he looks at the opportunity to play early at USC, and uh, linebacker has definitely been a position of need in recruiting for the past few years. Ever since, uh, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, uh, they missed out on Mont- uh, Manti Teo and Vontez Berthick, uh, they've been looking to try to get some marquee linebackers and really just haven't gotten uh, a ton of guys that uh, were those marquee feature-type players. And Ken Chirin, obviously, is. he's got that many offers. He's a guy you're bringing him all the way from Lauderdale Lakes, Florida. Um, it's definitely all about uh, winning that Garza, Lane Kiffin, Monty Kiffin, and you talk about the aggressiveness of the staff. I mean, they just don't care. I mean, the NCAA, go ahead and put as many sanctions on us as you want to. It doesn't matter. These guys are going to continue to be aggressive. And um, you just all you can say is they're really good. <laughs> they are really, really good at recruiting. And under every circumstance, there have not been many coaching staffs that had had to recruit under these circumstances. And just you look at the fact that Pete Carroll leaving when he left at the end of the year, uh, this, this coaching staff had to come in and scramble to be able to keep the commitments that they had, let alone get commitments on top of it. Um, and then you see this, this thing comes along with the NCAA and some really, really harsh penalties. Um, kind of, you know, the NCAA more or less trying to dismantle USC as a football program. I mean, when you look at what's happened here just recently and you start to see the the – the openings that they've left for other programs to come in and kind of try to pillage some of USC's talent. Uh, it's just pretty amazing. I mean, it's the closest thing to the death penalty is, is I think anybody's really seen in the modern era of college football. And, uh, and you have to admit this recruiting staff, they don't care about that stuff. I mean, they haven't just, you know, decided, Oh man, you know, poor us, uh, we're not going to get it done. Um, if there's been any kind of quote unquote fight on spirit, uh, that's coming out of, uh, the, the heritage hall office, that's coming from Lane Kiffin and that coaching staff. They have just continued to be aggressive, continue to go after guys, and continue to sell everything that's uh, that's great about USC. And, and to get a guy like Kent Tureen, who had all those scholarship offers, four-star linebacker all the way out there in Florida, had the opportunity to go to a lot of other schools in the SEC, to get him to commit this early in the process, and really that's the only negative part about it, is that he's going to be verbally committed to USC so early 
so many schools are going to go after him and negatively recruit USC. So many schools are going to tell him about what USC can't do and, and just, oh, USC is just going to be terrible. And, oh, you know, they're going to be in his ear. And, and it's not necessarily something new. I mean, a lot of schools do that already with USC, and they, and they you know, they try to, to put negative things in their ears. It's just part of the game. It's just the way it goes. Um, but now, you know, they're really going to try to use the media and try to use the things that are out there um, with the sanctions and a lot of the confusion about the sanctions and the confusion about what the penalties really are and what they really mean to kids, they're going to try to use those to, to make him feel a little uncertain. And, you know, obviously being all the way out there in Florida, uh, uncertainty is not a good thing when you're recruiting out of state for players. Um, but he is an early enrollee. That's significant, significant with some of the commitments that they've just had recently, getting these kids in and they can get them in December and they actually count for last year's scholarship total. Uh, so they're not actually coming towards the 15 scholarship limit that USC has right now uh, via the NCAA sanctions. Um, obviously there's appeal. Uh, the appeals for only 20 uh, a year uh, for USC. Um, we'll see what happens with that whole situation. That's uh, kind of remains to be seen. Uh, but you know, again, it doesn't matter. All of it is just it's semantics for for the coaching staff. They're going out there, going to recruit everybody they want, and going after them as hard as possible. And they've been really successful. So you got to take their ass out to them. I, I don't care what fan base you're you're representing or or who you cover. I mean, you've got to take a step back and go, wow, these guys are really good at what they do. I mean, it's amazing to me that the way they're able to recruit right now. I think from in looking forward, looking for the future, I mean, things can get a little rougher two years from now when you, you've lost some scholarships and stuff. But I think the biggest recruiting tool, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gerard, but if they go out and see, you know, no one's seen Lane Kiffin coach USC. So that's been part of the problem. And like you said, he had to scramble. He did a really good job putting the class of 2010 together, keeping it together and adding on to it. He's done a really good class with the class of 2011, a really good job with the class of 2011. Like you said, so many different hurdles he had to jump through that, and he's still getting all these kids to verbal. But if he can play, get this team to play well on the field, and they can win 11 or 12 of their 13 games, or even go, you know, obviously even go undefeated would be amazing. But if they can show that, look, we've had all these things thrown at us through all this adversity, we're going to win on the field. They're still being able to recruit. I think, you know, that would speak volumes for finishing off the class of 2011 and even the class of 2012. I think those kids who wouldn't miss any kind of bowl time probably wouldn't be as deterred by some, you know, lack of scholarships if they saw what Lane Kiffin was able to do on the field and if they were able to win all those games. If not, you know, it's going to be a little bit more of an uphill climb, but it's got to be a motivation for Lane Kiffin and his staff all year long, knowing that every game they win. Is a, is a really big help for this recruiting, you know, for the recruiting tools because of all the sanctions and all the handcuffs they've been put on from the NCAA. And definitely, and football on the field still has a significant impact on recruiting. And sometimes we lose sight of that because we haven't watched football on the field in a long time, and we're not actually playing games. And so everybody gets wrapped up in all the off season and all these moves that are made with recruiting. But teams go out there and they're just bad. Um, a lot happens. There's a lot of shifts. There's a little bit of that domino effect with recruiting where, you know, certain players at certain positions, maybe they start to waver from other schools. And that can happen for USC or you can go vice versa. USC can go out, put the chip on their shoulder and say it's us against the world because at this point it really is us against the world. Uh, that mentality is not, it's not exaggerated at all. I mean, the NCAA has come down and, like I said, this, this is some of the harshest penalties 
uh, that we've seen um, in, in the modern era of college football. And it's, it's really the closest thing to the death penalty and the fact that in the NCAA report it even mentioned that the NCAA thought about uh, taking USC off of TV and giving them a TV ban. It's just, you just say, wow, okay, that's, that's, okay, we see where you stand. <laughs> we see what you want to do uh, in terms of going after the football program and, and making it basically arbitrary and, and, and having uh, just no real strength here for the next decade. I mean, because that's a move. That's, that's when you start talking about that kind of stuff and those significant type of penalties, that's a move towards we don't want you to be successful in football for a long time. This is what we're doing. And, and they've done it in a way where they haven't really come out and, and said it flat out. The NCAA has kind of done some interesting things kind of behind the scenes in this whole transfer rule where, you know, they're allowing uh, juniors and, and, and seniors to transfer with no penalties. And, uh, and behind the scenes, are a lot of talk of, you know, well, any of these uh, freshmen coming in, if they wanted to dispute their, their letter of intent, they could go ahead and they could do that without penalty. There's a lot of stuff going on there that you go, wow, you know, the NCAA really trying to eat away at uh, the, you know, the infrastructure that USC has built over, you know, the past few years, how dominant they've been. And so that whole, okay, it's us against the world, because all the other football programs out there are like, yeah, let's go. I mean, come on, NCAA. They don't, I mean, they've been tired of getting beat up by USC for years. I mean, they're not just talking about the Pac-10 here. I mean, Pac-10, seven years in a row, USC's won the Pac-10 title. That's, that's one thing. But it goes farther than that. I mean, USC's been that dominant with the Big Ten teams. They went out to the SEC, slapped those teams around. None of these fan bases feel sorry for USC right now. <laughs> Nobody's crying on anybody's shoulder for poor USC, regardless of whether you know these penalties are, are are worthwhile or not, whether they have some actual substance behind them. I mean, we've obviously done some reporting and we've seen some things in terms of how the investigation uh, was put together that that really leave real question marks in your head as to you know really. I mean, can they can they really give these type of penalties with the evidence that they had uh, you know towards the some of these allegations that they had against the program and, and the knowing and what they should have known and all that kind of stuff when it comes into that lack of institutional control, um, you know, label that they slapped on the program. But, you know, having said that, again, you're going back to everybody kind of like, hey, you know what, if USC is not on the map for the next six, seven years, that's great. That gives us a chance. They're not going to cry about it. So USC can step back and say, you know what, it is us against the world. Let's go out there and just play football and be focused. It's 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 on us. You know, it's all about us, and and nobody's going to be there. You know, to help us along. Um, and that you know, Lane Kiffin. If there's any coach that kind of takes that mentality and really gets the most out of it, it's him. I mean, he had that kind of try to manufacture that almost at Tennessee, um, and he took that fo- he took the focus off the football program and really put it on him, and was outspoken and said a lot of things and and was confrontational and, and, and put it out there in the media and was like, all right, you know, I mean, we're going to go out there and this is what we're going to do and nobody's going to be able to stop us. And really, you know, a lot of those programs there in the SEC, they didn't take too kindly of that. You, know, you had Florida and you had a lot of stuff going back and forth uh, with he and Florida in the media. And you know what? They went down to Florida and they were barely beat by Florida and they were completely outmanned by Florida in terms of talent. So this is a situation where you don't got to even talk about it. Actions speak louder than words. I mean, this is what it is. 
USC is going to be down uh, on some scholarships here. Uh, they're going to be able to play that way for the next couple of years. Um, so, you know, go ahead and, and, and put the chip on your shoulder now and, and be motivated uh, by just, you know, the kind of all the, the pressure that's coming from the outside in. There's no pressure on USC right now from the inside out because, you know, everybody's kind of writing them off at this point. All right. Well, let's get to some questions, Gerard. Let's see what uh, is going on here. Not not the best news coming out this week. Obviously, uh, Lane Kiffin putting out a statement saying that they would release Chantrell Henderson from his letter of intent so he could actually sign with any school and play this year, play in the 2010 season. There's still a chance he could sign with USC, but I think that's probably slim. Uh, Brad wanted to know, with all the drama, should USC even want to sign Henderson anymore? Yes, they should. <laughs> With all the drama, he's six seven, three hundred, and you know, I mean, when he's in shape, he's three hundred thirty pounds. Uh, dominant force, an offensive lineman that's a good player, um, one of the best in the nation, and it's at a neat position. So, drama or no drama, you want that guy in your program. And, and USC didn't fly out there twice to St. Paul uh, to talk him uh, into, you know, going somewhere else or or. or, or <laughs> You know, deciding, well, you know, hey, whatever, whatever you want to do is cool with us. They wanted him. I mean, they wanted to get him in there, and, and they felt like, you know, they'd gone so far as to, to, to try to, you know, show him that the, the situation was still a good situation for him. Um, but, you know, it worked out the way it worked out. Now, how much it hurts USC is really up to debate. I mean, obviously, like I said, it's a neat position, an offensive line. I mean, they need a good left tackle. They need guys that can be able to push each other, um, you know, from this class and, and, and additional classes because they haven't signed a whole bunch of offensive linemen recently. Uh, so and, and from that standpoint, yeah, I mean, they, they lose out a big player. The whole thing about drama and, you know, everything going around Chantrell Henderson's recruitment in terms of the publicity and the question marks about, you know, where's his focus really? Uh, again, it's debatable. It's, it's hard to say, you know, well, was it a bad situation for him to come into oh, maybe because of his own doing, you know, because of the drama that was going on. I mean, everybody looks back and says, well, you know what, um, you know, players that have, have had uh, these kind of odd hiccups in their recruiting process uh, haven't necessarily panned out. And that's gone for USC. It's gone for other players and, and other programs. Um, it seems that guys are, that are indecisive when it comes to the recruiting process um, kind of have those issues when it comes to actually getting on a team. And it seems like that drama seems to follow them even when they're players. So I understand that. I mean, that's a legitimate argument as well. Uh, but if you're just calling, coming down to flat-out talent and, and needing a guy that's, that's a player that is going to come in and help your football program, uh, you know, Chantrell Henderson would have been that guy. And I, I don't think uh, anybody that played with him on the West uh, Army All-American team uh, would say that, uh, you know, he wasn't a guy that was a, a good player and a guy that would have definitely contributed at USC early on. All right. Well, thanks for that question, Brad. Uh, JC sent in a few questions, actually. I'll try to summarize what he wanted to know. But basically, he wanted to know how many scholarships are available at Miami. Miami's one of those places that Henderson was rumored to be Thinking about going, um, he wanted to know how Miami could get away with this because they apparently were over their scholarship limit. And he says, especially when athletic director Paul D, he's their former athletic director, actually not their current athletic director, is the chair of the infractions committee and one of the prime and one of those primary responsible for these controversial sanctions. So USC is limited to 75 scholarships, 
by D, but Miami can keep adding players. Something doesn't seem right about this situation. Maybe just kind of go through that a little bit. We've talked about Miami and the number of scholarships they've had before on the show. Yeah, Miami supposedly when they were recruiting Chantrell Henderson, you know, early on after signing day, and he didn't actually sign with USC and just committed to USC. Uh, the talk was that they didn't have enough scholarship offers for him. And they also didn't have enough scholarships when they were recruiting Latuan Anderson, who was a safety from Glenville High School uh, in Ohio, who was also looking at USC and ended up signing with Miami, but supposedly signed with the track scholarship instead of the football scholarship because they were that uh, many scholarships over. What can happen is that Miami could have some academic casualties. They could have a few players from their class of 2010 who didn't make grades, and that could end up making their, you know, their class coming in a lot smaller, which may give a little bit of room for a guy like Chantrell to come in or Latuan Anderson to be able to come in and actually be on a football scholarship. They could have uh, several transfers coming. A lot of people have talked about Randy Shannon. Uh, if he doesn't win a bunch of games, it doesn't win the ACC conference this year, then he could end up getting the boot. And maybe there's some players that are not sure about that already and they're looking to go. There's a lot of different things that can happen. And, and so, you know, Miami, yeah, they were over the 85 scholarship limit, it sounded like, uh, at the end of the year, um, counting all their 2010 signees. But again, maybe not all their 2010 signees are coming in, and maybe they're having some transfers out. So that's kind of how it works. As far as, you know, the conflict of interest with uh, Paul D., the, the head of the uh, Committee on Infractions, uh, that's who knows about that. I, I can't really talk about that just because uh, he's no longer the AD at, at Miami, and, and supposedly now his you know c- complete focus is with the NCAA. So um, it, it would it would not necessarily be a conflict of interest because he's not working uh, at the two school at the two different programs the two different organizations at the same time so um you know that's just a kind of a, a quasi co- conflict of interest it's definitely a conflict of interest for usc fans they, <laughs> they don't like that uh anybody that anything to do with miami that could be manipulating their own roster and and uh and and, and saying hey you can't have these guys and you can only have so many scholarship offers and towed around in their old school uh, ends up getting uh, those all those players that uh, end up transferring or what have you. So um, that's uh, obviously a, a, a weird kind of gray area. Yeah, well, JC, and that's a great question. Anyone else, if you are curious about Paul D., uh, Dan Weber had a really good story that went up on uscfootball.com on Tuesday. You can go check it out. It's like 20 questions for Paul D. So there's some, some really interesting stuff in that one. So I think you'll get fired up from that. It was a pretty popular Article up on the site. Uh, Okay, so Sam had a question, Gerard. USC has four, currently has four early enrollees for the class of 2011. Actually, potential early enrollees, guys that intend to enroll early. Do you see the departure of three recruits, Jackson, Glenn Stanley, Chantrell Henderson, that with those departure of those guys, would USC try to sign more early enrollees and any potential targets you think that could be early enrollees uh to answer the first question yes they will go after more uh, early enrollees they have four right now um and that's kentering is coming in uh, and he plans to graduate in december and enroll in january uh andre Adali, the kicker that they got from bakersfield is an early enrollee um so is cody kessler 
and uh, who is the other one that I forgot? Oh, uh, Peter McBride, the long snapper that they have, uh, who they've offered a scholarship to and committed uh, over the weekend as well. So you've got four guys who are going to be early enrollees. Um, with USC technically losing, it sounds like right now they would lose 19 seniors um, from the class. Uh, so a full class for USC this year uh, with early enrollees could actually be somewhere around 22 because um, they could actually have six early enrollees and then add that up to the 15 um, scholarships that they're going to be allowed to have uh, for this 2011 class. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's um, the numbers – you know, how you're balancing them, it, it all depends. You've got to stand it at 75, obviously, uh, and that's the big thing. And, and the, the 15 for this year can be manipulated just by, uh, you know, who can count towards last year's scholarship total. And at this point, you know, they could get six guys in, it, it looks like. And, uh, and, and really, you would end up having um, 19 players in total uh, coming in for the 19 seniors that you're losing. So I think right now it's like 72 is the total number of scholarship players, and that's if USC signs everybody here forward, everybody enrolls, I should say, not just signs, but enrolls in summer school that they had in the 2010 class. So that includes Soma Vanuku, who's yet on campus, and doesn't have any more transfers. Um, so, you know, that would be, I think, 72, and then, uh, and then, and then next year uh, you lose that 19 seniors. And with, uh, you know, the, the, the six guys that they could get in early and then the 15, um, that you could actually get a full class out of that. So, I don't know. It, it's, it, I mean, again, it's, it's all crazy numbers, math, and then you throw in the whole thing with the appeals process. It's really hard. I, I don't even know how the coaching staff has any kind of strategy with this whole thing because it's all, it's all just uh, convoluted. Um, but, you know, hey, that's what the NCAA wanted. They wanted to be convoluted. They want to slow USC down and, and punish them, uh, obviously, pretty harshly uh, in every way. And, and it does that when you start to have this kind of uncertainty and how many guys you can recruit and how many guys you can actually sign. And a lot of people keep asking me about junior college players because, obviously, there's a lot of junior college players who come in and can uh, enroll in January. That's true of some colleges, but not USC. Academically, USC standards are too high. They have a lot of guys that they'd like to go after, but we see time and time again that uh, most of those players can't get in uh, during December. I mean, you can go all the way back to the guy, a guy like uh, Hebron from Gupo, who was, I mean, clear to go ahead and roll at just about any school uh, he wanted to um, in December, and USC ended up having to enroll later in the year uh, during the summer because he just didn't have the right classes. And so it's tough. It's tough. USC's lost quite a few junior college targets because of that, and, and this just past year, obviously, uh, you know, you lose Marquise Jackson, who was, uh, I think, you know, all ready to go and, and thought he would be able to get in at USC, no problem, had some issues with UCLA. If you can't get in UCLA early uh, or at all, you're probably not going to get in USC at all. So neither of those programs really are, are, are programs that you see a lot of junior college prospects uh, in those recruiting classes. Uh, Cal, you know, Arizona State, completely different, completely different situations. I guess it's just the class classes required for those schools are just different than USC. I can't speak to those, but they're obviously different because um, USC, uh, time and time again, and this is a coaching staff that would love to be aggressive on the junior college ranks, but uh, you just can't. I mean, just the way it is, you, they can't get those guys in. Whether it be early, sometimes they can't get them in at all. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that question, Sam. Uh, next, next one, we got Juice in San Diego. Juice. All right. He wanted to know, a little wishful thinking, uh, Jews here, but he wanted to know about offensive linemen targets from 
2010 that haven't signed that USC could go after. And if not that, you just kind of mentioned this before, how about some JC offensive linemen? Obviously, there's a, a big need there on the offensive line. Um, any kind of options to get someone in kind of right away to, to help replace what you know USC lost with Henderson? Well, 2010 offensive linemen, I don't think so. Uh, if, they, if there's somebody that's still floating on for you know off the, good offensive linemen obviously go and, and if there's just a big body out there it's either because he's not a good player or he's got some really serious academic issues and he's probably going to end up as a, as a D2 guy um, so no I don't think they're going to be getting any guys that uh, are left over from the 2010 class um, as far as 2011 JC linemen uh, I mean there, there are possibilities there and, and I think USC is definitely I think they're working to get a J.C. lineman, an offensive tackle, probably uh, this year somehow. I mean, it just kind of seems like that they're recruiting hard to get it. And, again, like I said, not going to be the easiest thing in the world. It's not a slam dunk. I mean, you obviously have to go after the right guy, and, and it really helps if they were qualifiers out of high school. And that's you know usually rare with the really good players. But if you can get a guy that was not a really, really bad student in high school, then at least he had some of those credits that could transfer over and he placed somewhat well. Um, at junior college. So, you know, in terms of, you know, his math placement or his English placement, he didn't have to take a bunch of different classes in order, you know, to actually get his uh, 40% of his degree. And that's really the rule right now is you, if you're a JC player and you want to transfer to Division One college, you have to have 40% of your degree done. So that's the big issue. I mean, we're not talking about grade point average. We're talking about credits. We're talking about the specific schools. And uh, so some of those guys out there, I mean, David Garnett is a guy that, uh, you know, a name that's come up uh, from college of the, uh, the City College of San Francisco, um, offensive tackle, 6'5", 300 pounds. Um, sounds like USC's recruiting him a little bit and uh, kind of, you know, been up there to see him. And it's, uh, he doesn't have a scholarship offer yet, but that's a guy that uh, sounds like he could be a player that they're going to look at a little harder. Um, Jerry, uh, J- Jacob Farinukruk, um is uh, another offensive tackle. He's actually from North Dakota, um, College of the Sciences in North Dakota, uh, kind of an odd place to be able to go out and recruit and have to get a guy. But USC actually offered him a scholarship, 6'4", 320 pounds, probably more of a guard, uh, but a guy that they've actually gone on and seems like they're targeting right now and, and a guy that could probably come in and, and maybe help out right away. And so, you know, you've got a couple guys out there. Uh, at this point, uh, Farrah Newkirk is the only guy – that uh, really has a scholarship offer, um, that may change, though. It seems like, uh, you know, if you, could, if you can plug in a guy and off the line quickly. And, again, this wasn't something that USC hasn't tried to do in the past. I mean, they tried to do it with Bryce Schwab. They tried to do it with, uh, I think it was Jeff Cullen was uh, the other player uh, that ended up signing with Oklahoma that would have gone to USC in a heartbeat, but he just, you know, they couldn't get him in. And, and that became the end issue is that uh, they had to look over his test scores and really had to look over the classes that he had taken and taking the right classes, and it was uh, pretty much a done deal uh, towards the end of signing day. And so um, we'll have to see if that happens again this year. It's uh, there are going to be more targets that USC wants to go after, but the amount of guys they actually can get is still going to be very limited. All right, and then last question, a couple parts from Harry. I'll, I, I might take a crack at this, Gerard. You can kind of comment as well. But we've got a lot of talk about this, um, about self-imposing sanctions. You know, USC came out. A, a week or two ago uh, talking about the appeal it's not the actual appeal they just gave like their notice that they were going to appeal uh the sanctions imposed by the ncaa um so he wants to know how large of a scholarship reduction is usc self-imposing 
The press release was not specific, although that the appeal, they want to appeal that the penalty be reduced to five scholarships. And if that's the case, would USC have 20 in 2011? And if the appeal, the appeals committee upholds the 10 scholarship reductions with this year's self-imposed reduction affect the recruiting penalty, would USC get some sort of sort of partial credit? And so I'll, I'll kind of say a few things first, Gerard, but from what we have understand and uh, Brian Fisher from the site's done a really good job of kind of doing some research on this and, and going through legal documentation that's not very easy to read. But from what he could understand and from what we were told, and we, you know, we haven't got to clarify this, but this is kind of our understanding right now. Once you appeal the sanctions, you appeal the sanctions. You don't appeal half of the sanctions or partial, you know, part of the sanctions. Once that appeal process starts, those sanctions are stayed. So you will now, if you're appealing the, the scholarship reduction, it's for 2011, that scholarship reduction is on hold. If you're appealing the bowl ban for 2010, that bowl ban is on hold. And it sounded from the press release that, you know, from USC's appeal or notice to appeal that they would, you know, self-impose a bowl ban or, or you know, take a bowl ban early. They would take a limited number of scholarships for 2011, even though they were appealing the process. And, you know, I, I, I see where they're going. I think they would like to be able to take, you know, start taking the penalties now so it's not pushed out forever because the appeals process could take quite a long time. It could take over a year. So that means, you know, the, the, the bull ban wouldn't start for, you know, till 2011 and the scholarships couldn't start till 2012. Uh, but from what we understood, and Gerard, maybe you want to comment on this, if you appeal the sanctions, they're appealed. It's not like you can appeal half of them. And maybe, you know, the NCAA could make a ruling on this. I'm not really sure. But from what we everything we've read, it seemed like you can't just appeal part of what's going on. So what do you think about all that, Gerard? Uh, to be honest, I think it's FUBAR. It's so hard to freaking talk about all this stuff because, I mean, we know <laughs> so much about what's going on behind the scenes and kind of have to bite our tongues on it and then try to explain what we know without saying why we know certain things and then kind of talk about other things that are just flat out confusing. Um, I don't think there's any self-imposing penalties right now when it comes to scholarship offers. I mean, if, as far as that goes, I don't think USC can say, hey, we're going to take only five offers this year and, you know, if things don't work out with the appeal, we'll go, to, we'll go ahead and take our, you know, 10 that we have to have the next few years. I mean, as you said before, that would just probably end up being even worse because USC would self-impose for a year, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, when they, if the appeal didn't work out, then the NCAA would come in and say, oh, you still got three years where you have to have 10 off a year. So that wouldn't work. That wouldn't be a good idea. That wouldn't be good to even play uh, team gamble, you know, on that and, and have that potential happen down the line. Um, so the whole thing with, yeah. And then obviously, like I said, with the NCAA, when you appeal, some of these things get put on hold, but then the whole transfer rule that they've, or I don't know if you would call it a rule, but the exemption that they put in to the sanctions uh, for teams to be able to have uh, uh, USC seniors and juniors be able to transfer without penalty, that is not on hold. That doesn't, you know, whether you appeal or not, those guys can go ahead and transfer. Schools can call them up and do whatever they do to recruit them and try to get them to their schools. Um, So it's, it's like, you know, what, what, I mean, what really, what really does work and what really doesn't work with the appeal, it seems like nothing. It seems like, hey, you know what, you're going to appeal to be able to try to get away from the sanctions altogether. It's all for not. Um, and if, if you lose, then, you know, 
you you basically got to take what the NCAA is going to give you and and hope that they don't turn around and decide they want to give you more just for you know uh, trying to get away from the penalties in the first place or you know uh, I don't know screwing with their authority I guess is how it would be <laughs> we're going to give you five years now because <laughs> you, you try to mess with does. us and try to put yeah. us you know try to try to you know, put us through question our authority or what, you know, I don't know. The whole thing is just, to me, it's just stupid. I, I think that, uh, you know, at this point, you know, USC as a program, they're doing everything they can do. The coaching staff's doing everything they can do to try to uh, put together a winning football program, a winning team for the future. Um, it's just too much uncertainty as to what's going to really happen with the scholarships. Uh, you know, if it really becomes a deal where they can take, a lesser penalty, um, you know, with with the, with the appeal, like you said, I don't know how that comes. I don't know how that even plays. I don't even know how that's even legally possible from what we've understood from the other appeals processes and the other schools that have gone to appeal. I mean, always it seems like from the past, it's like you either you you get the appeal and you don't have sanctions, or you you know you lose and you go through with the sanctions. So. Um, we don't know where the whole thing, you know, they're offering up, well, we'll go halfway, you know, with you and we'll compromise. I, I don't know where that comes in. Um, maybe it's just kind of a, a thing that they come in and then publicly it's just kind of a, hey, you know, this is where we are and, and we were trying really hard. We try to go halfway with the NCAA and obviously these guys are tyrants that come in and they, they, they don't even want to meet us halfway. And maybe it's for a court lawsuit case afterwards and everybody, that's optimistic of you because all the USC fans feel like the NCAA should be taken to California court and sued. Um, for this whole thing, and and I, you know, I I can see why, but whether that happens or not, that, that's that's completely. I mean, there's a lot of people we talk to that really don't think that's going to happen. The SCs, you know, they're going through the appeals process. There's not a lot of hope for the appeals process. Um, the whole thing with the year ban and the the five scholarship offers a year, it, even that is an arbitrary number because as we've we've talked to, you know, some experts that have actually been involved with some of these appeal processes. Michael Buckner was a great guy that, you know, we, we quoted and, and talked to uh, throughout the, uh, the, the, the sanctions and the report and, and just kind of our investigation on the investigation, uh, talked about that number being so arbitrary with, uh, you know, the, the 10. It's like, where does that come from? What do you, what does the NCAA come off of 10 scholarship offers a year? or scholarship, um, scholarships a year, not even offered, but scholarships a year. They, you know, you only uh, have 15. You know, normally it was you only get one more scholarship deducted from every ineligible player you had. And so if you have one ineligible player, you have two uh, scholarships uh, reduced from, you know, your each year classes. So 10 is just a number that's like, wow, that seems outrageous and and everybody says it <laughs> that we've talked to that's been involved with some of these things uh in prior cases and 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 that's a real shocker there's no really rhyme or reason for it um i think the ncaa said uh in their report basically the reasoning and this may actually come from paul d i can't remember off the top of my head but the you know we're going to give usc a two-year bowl ban because reggie bush played in two years um, and that was kind of a new thing. It was like, oh, really? Yeah, and, D said and, that. That was very arbitrary. D said that in his comments afterwards, and it's just there's no precedent for that whatsoever. Exactly. There's no precedent for a lot of the penalties that that the NCAA has come forward with, and that's and in return, it's like, wow, they just just decided to just do this, this, and this because you know you kind of wonder what's the motivation behind it. I mean, it doesn't. There's not logic to everything, and we've found that you know. 
through the actual, you know, course, the, uh, the case summary and, and the things that we've been able to obtain and, and review for ourselves, and, and we got a lot of information that we're still going through, uh, there's a lot of things that you just go, what's, where's this, where's, what's, where is this connected? What is, why, why is this? Why did they, where did they come to this conclusion? And, you know, obviously USC is in the same, uh, it's in the same capacity of, of kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's the reasoning behind certain things. And, and obviously there was a hearing, um, but the hearing that they had there in, in Arizona and Tempe, there was no, there was no explanation on, on any kind of actual punishment because there's no punishment been handed down at that point. Um, so, you know, the appeals process will reveal some of that more. You'll see some of that come to light a little more. Um, hopefully it fully comes to light. I think that everything the NCAA is doing with, NCAA, with USC and with other schools needs to be out in the open. We need to see some transparency from this organization. I mean, we see none. There's a lot of working behind the shadows, and they don't like this, and they don't want this to be out, and they don't – it's just it's baloney, man. I mean, you know, these guys need to be out in the open, and they need, we need to see kind of how things are being done and if they're being done right. Because if they're being done right, then – it's the way it is, and and you know, and then USC's got to take their punishment, and they got to go with with uh, with with what's fair, and, and that's the bottom line, you know. And, and but if it's not, and there are inconsistencies, and there are things that are being completely, uh, you know, screwed up along the line, then you know that needs to be done fairly too. That needs to be sorted out fairly too. And and I think that uh, all these quiet little hearings and these things where everything's closed to the public and closed to the media, I, I just don't think it does anybody justice at this point. So I don't know. We're, I know it's a rant and everything, but it's just we're we're kind of frustrated by the whole situation itself because we want to cover it and we want to be able to get things out and we haven't been able to do it um, as much as I think we want to either. And uh, so, you know, and, and then, you know, all these questions about what's going to happen with recruiting and what's happening with recruiting, it's really a lot of conjecture. I mean, you know, we can say, hey, Kent Tureen just committed, and he committed, and he's an early scholarship uh, guy. He's going to come in in, in, in December, uh, or I should say he graduated in December, and he's going to come in in January, and this is why this is a big deal for USC. But then, you know, how it affects the class as a whole it still remains to be seen because we, you know, we don't know what the appeal process is going to do to the, to the total scholarship limits. And, you know, we don't know how and when USC can take these – you know, scholarship reductions and, and how that works. And it's a whole thing. So yeah, it's like, uh, we talk ourselves in circles here on the podcast because of it. <laughs> Everyone. Or I do. <laughs> Gerard Martinez, senior recruiting LS NCAA rant. Hopefully we'll get one of those every week. That was actually really good, Gerard. I appreciate that. Um, but we are unfortunately out of time. We're gonna have to let everybody go and we'll talk more next week on the podcast. And of course we'll be Talking about all this stuff on the Peristyle over the, the, the weeks and stuff coming in with the recruiting stuff and the NCAA sanctions and the appeal and all of that. But, Gerard, thanks again for joining us, and we'll hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to me talking circles. No problem. Everyone else, thank you very much for listening to the Peristyle podcast. We'll be back on next Wednesday. Talk to you then. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.